0: Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at
1: Scavendish. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. And folks, tell 10 of your friends. Whoa. We want you to go out and tell 10 people about
0: this podcast. I, I don't think I've seen 10 people face-to-face in a year.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, tell them electronically. Email your okay, friends. Okay, okay. Spam your friends. Yeah, share the show via text with everyone. Just just send a forwarded email to your grandparents. It's wonderful. If there's any, if there's share any, the show.
1: if there's any uh, uh, email chains that you're a part of, just drop <laughs> it in there randomly. Just,
0: just add it to it. Uh, big show planned today, of course. Aaron Fit from D One Baseball, who covers the entire country but lives down here in the Southeast and covers a lot of Southeast baseball, both the ACC, the SEC, some of the big 12 as well. And and I've, I've known him for a very long time. And he's going to give us a ton of insight as to the coverage of college baseball as a sport, as it evolves selection process for the NCAA tournament is coming up in a couple of days on Memorial day at noon Eastern time. You will get all of that. So that is sort of why we wanted to have this conversation with him is this weekend through Hoover with the SEC tournament um, and, and just sort of, Dive into the coverage of the sport of college baseball, Steve. I love it. It is one of my favorite. Well, you, sports. you've
1: covered a bunch of college baseball. Why do you? Why do you like college baseball?
0: I will give you that answer after this, because Lamestream is brought to you by Jaspers. Jaspers. I like college baseball almost as much as I like Jaspers. Wow. I like, I like the parking lot. I like the menu. I like love the, bar- the parking lot. I like the bartenders. I like the private room to watch games. I w- I love the patio. You and I have eaten on the patio before. I've watched a. I've-, I've been involved in a watch party at Jasper's. I've taken my wife to Jasper's. You can do so much stuff at Jasper's. It's so much fun. It's a great place to go eat. There are a lot of also good places to eat in Omaha, Nebraska. If you <laughs> a lot, like a lot of steaks, you like, if you like red meat, a lot of beef. So you ask, Steve, why do I like college baseball so much? I like being paid to go to Omaha to eat steak. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. And Aaron's going to talk a lot about this in the show today. But there, there are two things about college baseball that I think separate them, it, from, I, I don't know, all the other sports that we talk about. And number one is just people, baseball people love to talk about baseball. I, I just... whether you're talking about good things or bad things or average things or controversial things, it doesn't matter. Like people are all talking baseball because they have a common love of baseball and there doesn't feel like everyone has their guard up all the time. And some of that's because the coaches know they need to grow the sport themselves. They have to be a part of the promotional and the marketing tools to grow the sport. But I just think people like talking baseball. (laughs) Like I just, I don't know what it is about the sport. People just have no problem. Well, well the guy can't throw over eighty nine. I don't know if he can get these three guys out. And like in, you know, in football, if we talked about a quarterback that way, it would be the the only thing we talked about on the message board. You know, I have just never. I've never been a huge college baseball
1: fan because I grew up watching major leagues, and then I've only come into it because of Vandy. Uh, because these Vandy teams, particularly in the last decade, have been. I mean, they've essentially been, you know, AAA, AAA or, or or pro teams on the field, and and they've they've been executing at such a high level that I felt like I was, I, like I was seeing really great baseball. And I'm not, and I'm not particularly a Vandy fan. Uh, you know, I just grew up around here and, and have been and have been
0: uh, exposed to it. It it feels like the love of the game supersedes all the other drama that comes with sports. Like whether it's a rivalry, whether it's the media, whether it's whatever, I just think there's sort of like a like a a love of the game that sort of everyone has, and that sort of shades everyone's approach to everything, media, coaches, you know, you know, whatever. Um, I will say this and about Vandy, and to your point about why I got I got into it, my my first real college baseball experience was when David Price gave up the home run to the backup catcher for Michigan in this in in a regional. And and that's at the at Hawkins Field. Now, I I had I went to games when Tennessee went to the World Series with Luke Kochaver and JP Aaron Sebia and Julio Bourbon on that 05 team or 04 team. And and so I kind of got the bug early. But think about Vanderbilt as a sport. Where what else in the world in, in American sports can you watch the best thing in the country for free with free parking for like a ten dollar ticket and have no problem getting in and out of the ballpark? Like what what else like? That day in the NFL in this city in Nashville would cost you four five hundred dollars. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I, I have a, a bunch of
1: friends in town that randomly that have no connection to Vanderbilt that randomly go to Vanity baseball games because of the experience. Uh, and, and you know, quite frankly, it's a better experience in some ways than, than the sounds are. The Sounds are a good experience, but I, that that tight little ballpark. And, and the, the, the quality of the team and just sort of the the energy that's around it. I mean, you don't get the energy around the sounds game like you do around a Vandy game.
0: Nope, just in the bar out there in the corner, just in the, <laughs> in the, in the bandstand out there is where the, you the, get, the band box. There's a lot yeah, of good yeah, energy, a lot of good, a lot of good vibes. Uh, the, the, the band box definitely uh, vibing out there. Um, so but no, I agree. I, I, I tell people all the time, like, where can you watch the number one team in the nation with free parking for eight dollars? Like, that's just nothing else like it in Nashville sports right now. Uh, and Vanderbilt's really, really good. Tennessee's really, really good this year. Finally, they need to invest in, him, in Tony Vitello at Tennessee. So uh, I just think the coverage is really, really good because there's really, really good access. And because coaches like to talk and there's great access, if you go to places like D1 Baseball, you get really, really good coverage. And I don't think you get that same type of insight into your favorite teams in any other sport. No,
1: no, I, I think that's absolutely true, and and I'm actually kind of surprised. And, and he talks a little bit about this about why there hasn't been a, a big conglomerate come in over it. I'm surprised, given the level of uh, investment that they have in the video resources. I mean, ESPN covers. I mean, they show so many games, and and it's you know it, we talked about this. It's it's a it's perfect programming for them. It's it's competitive. Uh, it it fulfills their NCAA contract, and it also uh, happens to be at like one of the biggest dead times <laughs> on their, on, on their programming schedule. So, which is why we're going to get baseball essentially for the next, you know, for the next two months on baseball and softball on ESPN. But it might, I, be, I, it
0: might be interesting when ESPN brings hockey back on though, in a couple of years. Yeah. How, the Stanley, how the Stanley cup playoffs affect their coverage of the, of, you know, the NCAA tournament. And if a game,
1: no. if a game goes long, are they going to, are they get, there's no way they're going to bump an, an NHL game on the, on the no. mothership. No, but I'm, but I'm surprised that, that, the ESPN hasn't invested more co- more writing resources into the in, into college covering college baseball. They do they have some good stuff, but it's you, I, I agree with you that that D1 baseball is kind of the gold standard right now.
0: So, uh, without any more conversation, let's get to Aaron. Aaron Fitz, uh, formerly of Baseball America, now at d1baseball.com, of course, with Kendall Rogers, a guy I used to work with at at, at our old jobs at, at Rivals as well. And, and now they've kind of brought all the best people in the sport together. And D1 Baseball is your definitive one-stop shop for college baseball coverage. And uh, Aaron was very gracious with his time. So our conver- here's our conversation with Aaron Fitt of D1 Baseball. Aaron, thank you so much. We're going a little regional, a little national here on the show this week. We do appreciate your time. How are you, my man?
2: I'm doing great, Braden. How are you, my friend?
0: It, it's It's been good. Uh, Steve, you know... The, for those that don't know, I met Aaron back like 15 years ago in Omaha, like drinking beers, watching college baseball. So uh, I can't think of a better guy to explain the evolution of the media around the world of college baseball. And uh, it's great to see your face, Aaron.
2: Yeah, it's been a long time. I'll tell you, uh, those were glory days. What was that? <laughs> uh, the height the, the of the Oregon State Empire, I think, was when we were hanging out.
0: Yes, Joey Wong. <laughs> Joey Wong won a, won a college world series, I believe in uh, 2007. Um, No, well, well, let's start right there, Aaron. What is the difference in the coverage of the game in 2007? I don't know exactly what year you got into it, but in 2007 versus 2021, what is the biggest difference in coverage of college baseball? Yeah,
2: Yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, my, my first year doing this was 2005. I was Uh, the number two guy on the beat uh, at Baseball America for working with Will Kimmy, And, uh, you know, they're just, the the landscape was so different. There were so few outlets really doing this, and especially, you know, in the online space. I mean, it's it's funny to say that now, but I mean, you had Collegiate Baseball newspaper, you had BA, of course, which was online, but it, it was still kind of geared toward the magazine. And Um, We didn't even have like a blog, you know, until, I don't know, 2007. And that was like a big thing. Oh, we got a blog now we can just throw stuff up anytime (laughs) we want. Um, I mean, forget about Twitter, you know, and the the nonstop 24 hour cycle that 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 is the beast. Um, You know, I, I felt like I would just put together these giant notebooks like Peter King style, like once a week with like 7,000 words and like 10 different sections and just, just. It's called
1: called going the full gamins.
2: That's right. The full gamins well, that was my, my hero growing up. So maybe that's where that came from. But uh, now I think we've realized that, you know, maybe more digestible bite-sized things uh, works better. People don't necessarily want to wade through 8,000 words. Um, so that's, that's one thing that's changed is we've done more more content. It's easier to post content now than it used to be. You don't have to send it off to your web editor and have him work it up. You can just slap it in there yourself. Uh, everything is just easier in some ways, but it's, it's also more demanding. You've got to feed the beast, you know, but, um, the sport as a sport has grown, it's, it's really changed our jobs. There's no question about that. Um, You know, it's it's, in some ways, it's a lot easier to follow because you actually have games on TV. It's amazing. You know, you can find any any given day. You can find so many college baseball games that you can stream, which and the quality is great. I mean, I remember back in the day, you're you're watching the single camera feed, you know, from a, um, a webcam perched up on top of a press box behind the, you know, behind the fence. And it's just like you can't really see what the heck's going on. And you'd be lucky if you had that. Um, there were there were coaches, remember, out West that for a long time, even fairly recently, they didn't want their game streamed because they didn't want to give the opponents a scouting advantage. I mean, <laughs> the, the mentality was just so far behind where it needs to be for a big time sport. And we finally have caught up in, in a lot of ways in that regard.
0: Well, I, I was going to say what makes baseball fascinating to me, first of all, I just was a fan of the game growing up. I, I, so I love the game and I feel a little bit like a kid when I get to Omaha and, it, and that's that's just sort of a baseball thing. I don't know if that happens in other sports, but I, I will say this about the coverage of baseball early on and and how it's evolved to today. I, I do think there was a far more collaborative nature to covering the sport at an early period of time. Whereas everyone in media, whether it's a local market like here in Nashville or nationally or whatever, everyone is viewed so such in such a hyper-competitive way. I think that's starting to change a little bit where people are viewing collaboration versus competition. And I do feel like base covering college baseball in those early days, I sat in those press boxes in in Omaha with like all the different competitors covering college baseball. And it seemed like everybody was working together to some degree. And I feel like that that actually probably helped the sport grow more cohesively than maybe some coverage of other sports where it's so segmented and competitive.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I feel like we've had a very collegial group for a long time. And you know, it's, it, it kind of goes to show you Kendall Rogers and I, of course, were competitors for what, 10, 10 plus years. I mean, um, you know, he was, he was the main guy that I was competing with to get news. And as, as you know, as anyone who follows Kendall, he's not an easy guy to compete with when it comes to, to breaking, breaking scoop. Uh, that's his, that's his, his, his real, his niche. I mean, he nails it. And every time I get him, which wasn't that often, I, it would be, it would feel like a big win, but, um, but, you know, over the course of that, that relationship, um of, of competing against each other we also got to know each other and became friends and when it came time you know in 2014-15 to start d1 baseball or i should say to overhaul re- d1 baseball to turn it from just a scores website into a, f- a full college baseball site with news and everything um you know kendall and i we were excited to work together you know and along with kyle peterson of course who's the, the company president and you, you bring in eric Sorensen and mark Etheridge and all these guys that had had national footprints for a long time we bring in shotgun Spratling. you know all these guys had been at different publications and and we brought them all together and the reason that worked is because we all liked each other and we all respected each other and um and like you said there's kind of that that aura of we're not it's not cutthroat you know when you go to when you cover college baseball i mean yeah you still compete with your competitors like like any business but it's not like there's no bitterness to it So that that gets us that
1: gets us to what is D1 baseball and the what made you guys decide to do this? And what do you what do you think D1 baseball is for for the for the average? I mean, for the for the college baseball fan.
2: Well, you know, I think you have to give the backstory, which is the website before Kendall and I and Kyle ever got involved was already an indispensable resource for the college baseball fan. And that goes back to, I think about 2001 uh, was when the site started. Uh, Jeremy and Cynthia Mills started it up. Jeremy of course is a longtime ESPN researcher and his wife, Cynthia has been kind of the backbone for that scoreboard page for a very long time. But, you know, for a long time, there was no place else you could find the scores. Um, And Jeremy and Cynthia would go in there and update that thing by hand every single day uh, during the season. And, you know, I mean, just think about how much work that is. They had some shortcuts, but the thing wasn't automated until like last year. I mean, (laughs) seriously, like, there was no automation. And 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 it's it's insane to think about, but like I've I've long said that I think Jeremy and Cynthia are the two most important people in college baseball because they kept that scoreboard running. Everybody in in our sport used that scoreboard. Um, you know, on the schedule pages and everything else. I mean, you know, it was just it was bare bones. It wasn't, you know, the, the prettiest looking site, but it was functional. You had scores, you had standings, you had schedules. That's what that's just what you had there. Um, and uh, but we thought, you know, that everyone already uses the site. Um, and I think it was a conversation between Kyle and Kendall that actually started this thing. And, and Kyle, I mean, Kendall and I had talked before about maybe working together at one point, but um, but, you know, I think it was the SEC tournament. The two of them got to talking like, man, you know, what if we, we just bought this site and we, we kind of tried to turn it into a one-stop shop for the college baseball fan. You got this resource that everybody already uses. We could just, you know, bring some writers together and, you know, you, you could, you could make it the kind of the home for college baseball, which, as much as, you know, Baseball America, they have a long history of, of covering college baseball, but they do a lot of things. You know, I, I, when I was at BA, I never really felt like the fans understood how much we cared about college baseball because they also do all the prospect stuff, the minor league stuff. And it kind of felt like maybe college baseball got lost a little bit in all that. Um, at D1 Baseball, our readers know that this is it for us. I mean, we've got, you know, 10, 12 people who are passionate about this sport. And this is this is the end for us. It's not a means to an end. I mean, we do do prospect coverage also, but uh, we want to bring our readers kind of a sense of uh, of home, you know, for if you love college baseball, this is where you need to be. And, and I think it's it's worked that way.
1: What do you think the the audience is like coming to you? How much of these are people that are that are baseball fans first and then they 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 want to read about college or they're whether they're fans of a conference or fans of a specific team and they're looking for a wider sort of uh, sort of entree into the sport.
2: Yeah, it's a blend for sure. I mean, we definitely have our uh, our baseball junkies, our our prospect hounds. You know, those people, um, you're really intense, like dynasty league players who are looking to find out that the next kind of rising wave of talent. We have those people. Uh, I think probably a larger percentage would be, you know, your LSU super fans, your Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, you know, those people that the, they, they root for um, their school and they, they're passionate about it, especially in the SEC. You notice I just reeled off some SEC teams. Um, I mean, the, the followings that those teams have, it's, it's incredible compared to everybody else. I mean, there's a few others out there, but I mean, really, the SEC blows everybody away when it comes to followings. Um, so you have those people. And of course you have the, the parents and um, the family members of, of the players and you have the uh, the scouts and the the, you know, the industry insiders. We have plenty of those people as well. So that's kind of, I think, the, the general mix for us. And, and, you know, the thing that I love about this sport is um, it's not so big that you have to worry about, you know, frankly, about some giant conglomerate coming in and eating you up and then and then you land everybody off in another two years. I mean, like we're not, we're not so big, but we're big enough that we've got like, I don't know. It just feels like the right size pond. I, I love covering college baseball. I wouldn't want to do, Football or basketball or you know or, or major league baseball. I mean, for me, this is just the right niche. I I just I feel like we've kind of fallen into a, a perfect situation uh, where we've got just the right size following, and, and our, our subscription base continues to grow. I mean, the site's doing really well, even despite the pandemic. Um, our, our people are loyal, and we we owe them a whole lot. You know, it's uh, uh, very grateful to be in this situation.
0: Well, and and that a couple couple of questions off of that. One is, I think you talk about sort of like the size not being too big I think that also helps with access and, and that's my, my experience yep. in, in Omaha and kind of covering college baseball is like there's no other sport where you can like sit in the lobby of the hotel next to TD Ameritrade Park and drink a beer with Brian O'Connor who won a national championship and just like have a conversation about ball like that just doesn't happen with Nick Saban <laughs> like, those, right, yeah. like like again Brian O'Connor won a national championship of Virginia for those that don't know and they're just or, or like you know Kevin Kevin Sullivan's wife is just hanging around in the lobby and you can just kind of shoot the shit with with family and that's just not that kind of access and i don't know if it's a baseball thing i don't know if it's the size of the sport like you're talking about it's not too big but i also think baseball people just like to talk about baseball yep. whereas football coaches they view everything as like a nuclear code that needs to be kept behind an iron <laughs> clad door it feels like baseball guys they don't mind saying like well he's play we're playing him at first because he doesn't have the glove to play at third and like if a football coach said that we'd be like, Oh my God, he's super critical, but a baseball coach is just talking, talking shop.
2: Yeah, you're right. And that's, a, that's a great, it's a great point. I mean, that's definitely one of the things that I love about doing this. And, um, you know, we have so many experiences over the years of Omaha and, and like you said, I mean, I think you know, the night after Oregon state won it almost recently, um, I remember seeing Pat Casey just hanging out on the the porch outside the Hilton. And just, you know, it's like three in the morning, we're hanging out with, with, with Case and his, his people, you know, after they just won a national championship and it's just, You know, it's just because it's they're they're down to earth. I remember, you know, seeing Tim Corbin with with Kumar Rocker and his family and just visiting with their family in the lobby, you know, a couple years ago and uh, and just breaking it down. You know, it's it's not this intense beast that you certainly have in football and and, and basketball. People are people are more accessible and um, you know, every coach wants to talk to us. It's not like, oh man, like I got to go through the media people and like beg for five minutes of their time. It's like, no, I'm just going to send them a text. Hey man, you want to talk? Like, and, and it's just, it makes, it makes our jobs a whole lot easier. I, I feel for the people on those, those big time beats, if you will, you know, the, the football, basketball, uh, big league type beats. I mean, it's just a completely different animal when it comes to access. The game
1: is you, and you alluded to this with the, uh, <laughs> thinking about LSU superfans and, and Mississippi state superfans, the game seems like it has become more intensely Southern or, or the, 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 growth of the fan base in college baseball over the last 10, 15 years has been, uh, has been really Southern. Uh, is that accurate? And, and is, is that healthy for the sport or how does, and how does it affect your coverage of it?
2: I think it's definitely accurate. I mean, if you look at where, you know, the major ballpark projects have been um the 60 70 million dollar ballparks it's for the most part been the sec and, and a little bit in the big 12 we just see, saw this oklahoma state palace open up um but you know and, and the SEC, ACC i guess is they they have some nice ballparks but as you know i mean there have been some projects at clemson and north carolina but um a lot of those it just feels like they're falling a little bit behind but um there's no question The SEC is driving it. It's not just ballparks, but I think that's kind of like a representation here of of the overall popularity of the sport and the commitment of of the school to the sport, right? Um, If you got 13,000 people going to your game, then you're going to invest more in it. And when you invest more in it, you're going to have more people want to go. It's kind of a, you know, circular, but for whatever reason, we just can't get it to latch on in the West. And it's just a culture thing, you know? I mean, It's weird. Uh, because they 've got great baseball and they 've had great baseball in the West forever I mean, I,
1: That's to say great baseball history I mean yeah. especially like those Fullerton and Fresno State teams
0: you, well, like you schools
2: a, schools that don 't do anything else right yeah. like yeah baseball is their thing and and you know if you look at the budget at fullerton it's <clears throat> it's sad I mean for that proud program they don 't have any money and they're they're you know i don 't know if that's a choice or just a reality um, with, with the, the current, you know, situation with the states, you know, the Cal state system, but um, they can't, they can't invest a whole lot. And, you know, and that's one of the programs that does draw some out there when they're good, but I mean, it's relative, right. It's like, Oh, this guy, they got 2,500. That's a nice crowd for the West. But I mean, you know, I was just at Oxford this weekend you got 13,000 or whatever, just it's just Jeez. different, different feel. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean, you talk about the history of the West. I mean, USC is still the, the the program that has the most championships. And you look at Arizona, Arizona State, and it's amazing to me to think Arizona State, this proud program, haven't won it all since 1981, and haven't been to Omaha in a decade. Um, USC has been to one regional since they since they ran Mike Gillespie out of town, you know, which is just AD malpractice. Um, and that was 2005, you know, when they were in a super, and then they didn't make a regional. They've been the one regional since then. Um, so some of those proud programs have, 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 just declined now, you know, whether that's reversible, uh, I don't know. I mean, part of it is we need to get the damn PAC 12 network out of the <laughs> picture. I mean, or whatever it is like, I can't watch PAC 12 games here. And, and, you know, I love college baseball. I would love to watch PAC 12 games. I'm up late, you know, and I can't get them. I mean, that's a joke. They need to fix that, first of all, because the TV exposure is a big piece of this, and that's a big part of what's driven the, the SEC. Well, that's that's commissioner
1: malpractice
0: right there. Yeah. yeah. Lame stream sports is brought to you by
1: Jasper. Yes,
0: Welcome. oh god oh you're welcome <laughs> for those of you that are still listening um that was jaspers which is a neighborhood watering hole on west end with free parking a fantastic menu from deb paquette and all kinds of space to watch all kinds of sports. Like you got some college baseball coming up, of course, with the NCAA tournament with regionals next weekend. Um, You still have the Stanley cup playoffs going on. God bless you. Predators. Um, The NBA playoffs are going on. So there's lots of stuff. Nashville SC on the weekends, all kinds of great stuff to watch. And um, listen, if you don't want to go to a sports bar and eat shit food, go to Jasper's because they have solved the shit food problem. That's at sports bars. (laughs) normally in your life jaspers go to jaspers the opposite of shit food was that in the uh was that in the contract
1: that you signed with jaspers look it's written right here on this piece of paper i just read what's on the paper okay yeah (laughs) come to jaspers you won't get shitty food you will get to park for free
0: what else do you need to know i mean about the product i mean that's that's miles ahead of any place else and, and the happy hours are like, I know people say, here's the other thing. Here's another epidemic that, that Jasper's is solving, Steve. I've, I've, there's a lot of them here that they're, that they're really throwing their their, their hat in the ring on. Here's another one. I can't stand the sports bar or the restaurant or the eatery. That's like, Oh yeah, we got a happy hour, three to 6 PM, a dollar off a beer. And it's like $9 beer. That's now an $8 beer. You're not, you're not doing me any favors with that shit. Okay. It's it's, you're not doing me any favors. You know what Jaspers does? They take a $15 hamburger and an $8 beer. And like on Thursdays, you you can get that for $10. You're basically getting it half price. So if you're going to do a happy hour, do a happy hour. Jaspers, solving the shitty happy hours of the world every single day with better deals than wherever the hell you're going to eat.
1: Was in the, I was in Jasper's recently with a, with a friend who hadn't been to Jasper's before as we were sitting there, and he was like, wow, this menu is this menu's great. And I said, you know why? This is an evolution. <laughs> this is the next evolution of the sports bar. And you know what? He got it. He got it immediately. He looked at that menu, and he's like, I would never find this at, a, at, a, at my normal shitty sports bar. <laughs>
0: So, Jasper, what are what are all? Let's, let's try to organize all the uh, the epidemics that, that Jasper's is solving. Uh, people charging for parking—that's an epidemic in this country, and and Jasper's is solving that problem, right? Free parking lot, shitty, shitty bar, food at sports bars, shitty bar food. They've they've solved that one. Just already, they've already solved that one. Um, I, I really am pissed off about happy hours that don't really give you anything like that. That don't sell me on this crappy happy hour where like oh the food is. You get a dollar off a $15 hot dog. Like that's not a happy hour. That's that is that just... is an insult to the term happy. It's a pat on the head. All right. And I don't like that from my my neighborhood watering hole. I want my neighborhood watering hole to give me a beer and a burger for half price. That sounds like a great deal. So Jasper's solving the happy hour problem that's sweeping the nation. Jaspers, we will never
1: patronize you at happy hour. <laughs> but you can patronize us. But we'll never be patronizing
0: to you at Happy. I was going to say, please patronize them. <laughs> Go to their restaurant and be a patron. That's that's the idea. Go to Jasper's. We love it. It's great food. It's a great place to watch the game. Go to Jasper's. Well, and and that was going to be my follow up question. Is you just talk? You've you've already alluded to TV and the webcams and how that's grown. I will complain slightly here because number one, Arkansas and Tennessee, only one of the three games was televised in Nashville, Tennessee. And that feels like programming malpractice to some degree for the SEC network or whoever's in charge. But not only is the passion and the fan base and the dollars here for the SEC, but the television network with the SEC network is doing a better job. Is that, is TV just the, the, I mean, obviously outlets like D1 doing really good cohesive coverage is, is a big part of the growth as well. Is it also just, june's a really good time of year for for espn to have something to fill all of its all of its slots yeah. every you know every you know thursday through set monday or whatever
2: yeah i definitely think that's part of it you know there's no question the tv has driven so much of this and i mean the sec network is really the gold standard for it i mean look at the people they have um doing their their broadcasts and their studio stuff i mean it's baseball people who have they're really good at it obviously i'm biased toward KP. I mean, KP's the man, uh, but you know, you look at Berkey and Mike Rooney and um, you know, Ben McDonald, and you know, you, you bring in the, the Tom hearts of the world and, you know, the clay matvics. I mean, these guys are really good at their jobs, really good. Their, their broadcasts are great. Um, and you can tell that this is something that the sec and ESPN, they care about, they care about doing it right. It's not half-assed. And, and I just, you know, I appreciate that as, as a, as a college baseball fan. Uh, and, and I'm sure, that has played a huge part in, you know, and in, in the growth of that league and in the separation of that league from everybody else. You've got
1: a really good view from where you are of the sport and of who's covering it right now. I, I'm, I'm interested in, in your perspective on, on the, the kind of the, the newspapers, local outlets, sort of coverage that's going on uh, at a lot of places, as you've seen sports staffs get trimmed that you know, unless you know here in in Nashville, if Vandy wasn't just a national power, you know they probably would have cut back on on Vandy baseball coverage, you know, just because of the size of that sports staff. Yeah. Or you're as you as you're losing beat writers uh, who covered entire covered the entire school. They'll they'll focus like mostly on like college football and college basketball. How much coverage is happening out there, and and, and does that put a limit kind of on the uh, uh on the growth of the sport
2: yeah it's it's obvious that you know the print industry has, has declined dramatically um since i started doing this and it's sad i mean especially where i am in, in acc country in, in north carolina i mean uh you, you look at the the sports staff those once proud newspapers you know the nno and the uh, Charlotte Observer, the News and Record, and it's just you know WRAL. I mean, all these these outlets that really used to be around all the, the college baseball games, especially once we got to the postseason, and it's just been decimated. There's nobody left. There's nobody well, left. Isn't standing.
1: it in like the N and O in uh, in Raleigh and and Charlotte? Aren't, no. Don't they base? Don't they basically share a sports yeah. staff now?
2: Yeah, they're exactly they're combined, and it's a, and it's a skeleton crew. I mean, I, I you know I feel for those people. I don't you know I don't know how you can. Do that job with the, the body count that they have it's not pretty but um it you know it just feels like there there are other places where you know I go I go to, to again to SEC country and you got big gaggles of, of reporters covering these things and it's the local newspapers are there you know it's like oh we got the Columbus dispatch is, is here of course because it's a home Mississippi state game i mean it's you know we got the um we got the 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 online people we've got the rival site people or whatever and i mean you go places in the sec where there's still like you know eight ten beat writers there covering every game and it's like what 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 planet am i on i mean did did i just get into a delorean or something like i feel like it's 1999 but um it's 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 cool when you see that i mean that's why i always love when we get like the You know, we get the South Carolina media crew in Omaha or the Mississippi State people or whatever. I mean, it's just, it just makes it more fun. You just have more, more people there, just a little bit of a different buzz in the press box. Uh, But, but most places it's, it's just not like that anymore, which is, which is sad.
0: So this is, um we got Selection Monday coming up in just a couple of days. Try to explain to people in a Cliff Notes way sort of the selection process for regionals and super regionals for national seeds. Certainly, we have a lot of listeners that are Vandy fans and Tennessee fans, SEC fans. You can also chime in on if this is the best we've ever seen the SEC at the top. They might have the four best teams in the country or whatever. Um, But just sort of take people through what actually takes place when the NCAA decides to give out regional and super regional sites and seeding.
2: So this year, everything is, is weird, you know, because of, because of COVID um, so many of these conferences messed with their schedules and like the big 10 only played conference games and they only played what 44 games. I think they reduced the schedule by 20. Um, and so as a result, the RPI doesn't mean anything for the big 10 this year. I mean, you, you have to have cross-pollination for the RPI to have any significance, uh, between conferences that is. And so in the ACC, you know, they played 36 game schedule instead of their usual 30 in conference. Uh, and they cut six games off their overall schedule. So only 14 non-conference opportunities, if, if you can get them in, you know, if you weren't COVID out. Um, and so again, like the RPI, it, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot in that league. Everybody kind of gets dragged back to closer to 500 because they're all just beating each other up. And, and there's fewer opportunities outside the conference to distinguish yourselves. And so um I'm really curious to see how the committee is going to handle these different things. Cause other leagues like the sec, the big 12, the PAC 12 that played normal conference schedules. And, you know, maybe you can still use the RPI more for those. Although I think really the the RPI rankings are kind of messed up, you know, across the board Um, just because like, if, if the teams in one league, if their rankings are off, then, you know, everybody else, it's all relative, right? I mean, it's all um, your record based on the top 100, well, if the teams in top 100 are messed up, then it kind of it throws everything off. Um, but uh, anyway, ultimately, the committee is going to have to get together. And you know, they've, already, they've already named 20 teams that, that will be whittled down to 16 to host the, the regional sites. Um, they had to do that early, apparently, because they needed time to set up their COVID protocols or some nonsense, which I, I don't really think makes very much sense. I don't think you need three weeks, four weeks, whatever it was Set up. I mean, these teams have been testing all year long. I mean, this was just stupid. But anyway, it is what it is. Um, so, so you know, at the time when they when they named the 20 sites, uh, potential sites, I mean, it seemed like they were leaning on the RPI like they always do as kind of a crutch. And for instance, the ACC only had two out of those 20, and one of them was Pittsburgh, who then got swept the next weekend. And it's like, well, the ACC are, are we looking at one host site out of the ACC? I mean. I don't think it's a great year for the ACC, but I think it's an okay year and they definitely probably deserve more than one host. So uh, that's kind of the, the the downside of of announcing them so early um, is you don't have a chance for these teams to kind of surge late and grab a host spot. So that's, that's one thing that's complicating it this year, but, um, and we'll see how the committee handles it when they're building the full field 64, which of course we released Memorial day at noon Eastern. Um, You know, there's just there's just a lot of different things to figure out with with you know what about uh, like the the Metro Atlantic right the MAC um, you had Fairfield go 33 and one I mean <laughs> is, is, that's incredible I mean how do you how do you see a team like that you're, you're only playing conference games so you don't have any kind of non conference schedule to compare it with um are they are they a three c you know are they a four are they a, are they a two i don't know i mean uh it's a, there's some weird seating things this year too that are going to be really interesting to see how,
0: how much does non-baseball stuff factor into the, the selection process isn't that a big part of it like it's like tennessee showing that it can draw six thousand people to the number one team like is, how, how much does that stuff factor in
2: i think nowadays the committee has kind of shown they're, they're going off perceived merit when it comes to hosting rather than, uh, I mean, you know, like Stanford, I think the last I heard is only allowed to have like 150 fans at their games, even in the regionals, but that doesn't mean they won't host because um, if they, if the committee deems they're deserving, then they're going to host, you know? So it's, uh, it used to be that I think that they were trying so hard to just make a little bit of money on the tournament, but now that the tournament does, it does fine it's profitable. And so I don't think they're really worried about, about maximizing who can bring in the most bodies. Um, that's that's. I do think they like some geographic diversity when they can, and they like they like having a new uh, new hosting site. And that's why a team like Gonzaga, for instance, or, or Pittsburgh. I mean, if those teams are are close, um, it could it could tilt their way. Especially since you know, if you're like, if you're Pittsburgh, you, you, you kind of have proximity to the Midwest and the Northeast, you know, and so there's that that 400 mile radius that they do. If you're within 400 miles of, of a team, you can bus rather than fly, and and that's advantageous, especially maybe in a in a COVID year. Um, so that's something to look for.
1: What's your biggest day of the year? Is it is it release day? I mean the 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 field day, or is it is it something else?
2: Yeah, I would say that weekend Memorial day weekend, because you know, the, the, that, that last weekend of conference tournaments is always insane. I mean, it's just like I always tell people that's really my most sleepless night of, of or my most sleepless week of the year. Right. Um, because you're, you're staying up till two, three in the morning, watching these West Coast games and stuff come in. And, and the late, late Hoover action, because they're always late. There's always rain delays There's four games a day. You know, <laughs> get, you got some 14 inning game that goes till three in the morning. And it's just like uh, so you, you're trying to watch all that stuff and and write up you know, kind of an instant analysis on how the action that day has, has shifted, you know, the overall picture. Cause everything affects everything else. And plus I'm like, I'm doing the big 12 tournament this year and it's, you know, I'm, I'm covering four games a day for, for some of those days. And it's like trying to write those games up. Uh, and so that week is just always insane. And then it kind of culminates on, on selection Monday, which um, is, that's just maybe my favorite day in some ways. It's just exciting. It's Christmas morning, you know?
0: All right, we'll let you go on, on this. And do you enjoy the first weekend in Omaha better or the championship series in Omaha? Which which one of those two things do you like better?
2: Definitely the first weekend. Um, and, and the championship, the crowning is fun, that you know the celebration stuff. And um, that's that's of course, that's what you're you're in it for. But the first weekend is fun. You got all eight teams there, all eight fan bases there um there's that sense of you know anticipation and, and excitement and I, I i love the first weekend it's just it feels more like a giant party this the, the the last kind of the championship series feels kind of like we're slogging to the end and then it, i don't know i mean it just it's it's always a little sad when it's over too i, mean, I don't know as much as i enjoy like making the immediate transition to summer ball um it's not the same. You know, it's, I, I like that first weekend a lot.
0: You can only eat so much, perfect, perfectly cut play. <laughs> um, right. all right. So how many teams, how many sec teams are in that eight? Uh,
2: and that the eight national seeds are the eight for Omaha, you know,
0: in, in Omaha or the national seeds, either one.
2: I mean, it might be four for both. It, it wouldn't shock me if it's more than that. I mean, the sec is so far when it comes to pitching, they've got so many more arms than everybody else this year. It really stands out.
1: It's, Aaron, who's, Who's, let me ask him this one quick thing who's the non sec team that you're uh, that you're really watching to to that like saying they could be a, a championship contender
2: i think i think texas with its with his pitching um you know that's one thing again that that i just think there's not a lot of this year especially starting pitching and so and, and i always feel like that that program is built you know to play in a ballpark that plays very similar to td ameritrade so um I would say, keep an eye on Texas. I mean, I definitely think, you know, TCU older team They're they're in the mix for me. Um, Arizona's had a great year. I wonder how their style will translate, you know, to that ballpark. And um, you know, and, and then there's some like Oregon and Stanford type teams out there out West that I just haven't had a chance to see. Cause I wasn't flying for most of the spring and the games aren't on <laughs> stupid TV. So like, I, I don't have as good a feel for those teams, but you know, the pitching and defense plays and those teams are built yeah. that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, even with the West Coast, that's why Arizona, Fresno State, UCLA have won national championships in, yeah. in recent memory. Aaron, D1 Baseball, use the website. It's been a recommendation on this show before, so make sure you're all over D1Baseball.com from here on out. You got the podcast, the rankings, the scoreboard, you got everything. So thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time today. We do appreciate it, bud.
2: Hey, guys. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Aaron.
0: Enjoy, man. It should, this will be out next Friday. That was Aaron Fit from d1baseball.com, of course. they've got a great podcast, great coverage. He talked a lot about the scoreboard sort of being the, uh, the, you know the backbone and the foundation of what that website became. and um, just a, it's, it's college baseball time of year. I love the sport, and uh, special thanks to Aaron Fit for giving us some time because I do think the coverage of it is really good, but you just have to go to certain places to find it. I absolutely cannot believe that the, that the
1: scoreboard was not automated until last year.
0: That is unbelievable to me. And I use it. Like w- when I worked for Sirius XM and f- for a competitor for D1 in-, in Omaha for a bunch of different series, like you have that page up and are refreshing that page every second. And-, and it's not just like a box score. You go in and you can see like all the different stats and stuff. So I was a little alarmed at that, too. I like, am like concerned for someone's safety that had to do that.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, you
0: know, they have a team of they have a team of people locked in a dark room, just
1: sitting there, just pounding away, just coding, 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 coding. Right. Uh,
0: no surprise that the SEC, with fan interest, with a television network, with the ballparks, the season tickets. I mean, there's just no surprise that, of course, the SEC just cares a lot more about SEC about their baseball teams. There, some of the them SEC, are re- it just means more. <laughs> some of them generate revenue. Some of the hockey programs up north will generate revenue, but it, it is it's basically football and base basketball that generate revenue in college athletics, except for some sec baseball teams. And, um, that, that's a, that's a pretty big, pretty big feather in your cap when you can cover your costs on a, on an entire program like that.
1: Well, and, and I, and I, it's one of the reasons why I, I'd ask him and, and you had alluded to this as well. Uh, you want to see other programs, other parts of the country kind of being more competitive. You don't want this to, to turn into, a Southern niche sport. And it's in, there's, there's some, there's some danger of that right now, especially as, as there has been financial pressure placed on athletic programs all over the country. You know, these next couple of years, you, what you hope is that uh, teams, are, I mean, schools are willing to invest in their, in their baseball and softball programs and more than just, you know, more than just as a place to, uh, as a place to have a team, You want, you want the Fullertons uh, uh, and the Arizona States of the world, for example, to be competitive and not just because, you know, they're turning out major league baseball players. You, you want, you want this to truly be a national sport.
0: Well, I think the big 10 has done a good job of this investing, but also what does the big 10 have that the PAC 12 doesn't a very lucrative television contract and network that helps them with this part of the process. And we've seen Indiana get to Omaha recently. Kyle Schwarber plays, you know, used to play for the Cubs was on that team. So I think you can, the Big Ten is doing its job to invest. I think the Pac-12 as a conference, as you heard Aaron talk about how frustrated he is with the league, not being able to watch games. Television is such a huge part of the solution to what you're talking about. So we'll we'll see what happens um, as it evolves, but enjoy some college baseball over the next month. Uh, Really good SEC teams, Vanderbilt and Tennessee, of course, locally here are very, very good. Could both be in Omaha, could both host Super Regionals. Uh, it, it's going to be a ton of fun over the next couple of weeks to see, you know, my alma mater. I'll be, I'll be selfish here and just say, Tennessee being back is is very enjoyable. Uh, as someone who loves the sport, it's fun to see Tennessee back, meaningful and six thousand people. Lindsey Nelson going crazy, doing mullet luges. It was, it's great, it's great. Um, all right, time for recommendations. I will go first today, Steve. If that's okay with you, because um, I'm going to sort of recommend. This is a, a strange recommendation, uh, but I think it's an important one for everybody. I recommend. And my wife did this for me and for like herself and for her friends, like all without telling me. She bought a two-day pass to the Pilgrimage Festival. I've never been. Um, it's obviously here in Nashville. I will go to it because she decided to buy tickets. I am going to the Railbird Festival in Lexington, Kentucky, which has like Jason Isbell and Band of Horses and um, My Morning Jacket and uh, you know, Leon Bridges. A lot of great acts and doing a whiskey bourbon tour on a Friday night, watching some music on a Saturday night at a festival. Here's my recommendation, Steve. Go outside to a large gathering of music and watch music this summer. That's my recommendation to people. I'm doing it twice with some friends, once with the wife. Please go watch some music, go to an outdoor festival, go buy buy some tickets to some local acts or whatever. Go enjoy the outdoors with live music and no screens. Okay? That's my recommendation. And if you're going to go to pilgrimage, make sure you
1: have some rain gear, perhaps. (laughs) They've had some bad track records. Historically,
0: uh, it's 50-50, folks. Look, the wife didn't ask me. It just showed up on the credit card statement. And I said, what are we doing? (laughs) I'm already going to Railbird Fest in in Lexington. I don't need another festival. She said, no, we're going. I said, okay. All right. Awesome. Is she going to Railbird or just you? No, no, just dudes. Just dudes. Bourbon Trail and... And my morning jacket and, <laughs> and and black pumas, I think, are playing. Can't wait. Can't wait. Awesome. My recommendation is actually about a team that I really
1: hate, but there are two things. Uh there are two things. If you like soccer at all, uh you will absolutely love this. So I hate Leeds United. Uh I think their fan bases in general. One of the worst racist fan bases in all of uh, in all of English soccer, and uh, history has borne me out on that. So don't at me, but uh, there are two things that are just absolutely fascinating. One of which is a movie that came out ten years ago called uh, called The Damned United, uh, which is uh, which is about Leeds in the in the early seventies, and just a couple of just fabulous performances by a bunch of by a bunch of people that. You may not, you may not know their names, but you're going to recognize them on screen. It's just a, it's just a great sports movie. Highly recommend it. But the other is, and I, and I stumbled across clips of this, uh, cause I hadn't really, I hadn't really paid attention to them rolling out the series last year, but it was called take us home, uh, Leeds United. And it's, uh, it's an Amazon series and it, it's sort of an inside the locker room, inside the season kind of, kind of thing. And it's, Absolutely fascinating. And part of the reason why is because their coach right now is a guy named Marco Bielsa, who is one of the geniuses of world soccer. Uh, and is just, just kind of this madman uh, tactician, just amazing coach. He's in one of the most compelling personalities that you'll find. And I, I blitzed through kind of both seasons of this. Again, hating the team, but just absolutely engrossed by Bielsa and kind of the run that they were on. And if you don't know the story, they were, they were at the top flight of, of English soccer 20 years ago and then uh, fell back like two, they were relegated twice uh, and almost in danger of being relegated again, fought their way back into the Premier League and are just, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're good again. And, and Bielsa is a big part of it and it's just it's really really compelling uh television if you like stuff like hard knocks if you like you know stuff like, like you know in yeah, the side F, the F, season
0: the f1 the f1 documentary the f1 yeah. documentary then then you're
1: gonna love this uh it, it's just it's just really great
0: can, can you make a list of all of your soccer recommendations for the people out there like you had the maradona documentary you, you and Steve Gorman on one episode were talking about like a coach from the Netherlands in the seventies. Like, you guys need to. For those of us who are the uninitiated into the soccer world as deeply as you are, I feel like you need to make us a list of all the great things that we need to watch and consume, including season two of Ted Lasso coming soon, which is a great moment for us to celebrate because. Uh, I mean, oh yeah.
1: we, we may need to do. We may need to
0: just do like recaps of Ted Lasso. Just do entire podcasts about just entire podcasts of Ted Lasso. Episode three. <laughs> um. <laughs> So you 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 like you like soccer the way I like college baseball probably. <laughs> yeah, I, think. I mean, I, I,
1: the, and and again, the the you can tell the money that's been put into it. This is not some hey, we sent a camera crew out to hang right, out at practice. Right. This is a you get guys in training room. There was a, there was a pretty famous incident last year where um, where they were playing Aston Villa. They scored a goal when an Aston Villa player was injured, which is kind of kind of a, a a bad thing to do yeah and bielsa is screaming at his team from the sidelines and makes them let Villa go score a goal and so it's Ooh. so it, it, but anyway it,
0: it's it's just it's really compelling television so not like half assing the documentary like real full-fledged going all in on the documentary like the way Jaspers does with their happy hour
1: <laughs> exactly
0: is that what you're saying like that is a none of this' that's tiptoeing that's around. You know, willy-nilly around the, the happy hour, like a dollar off here, 50 cents off there. It's a fully-fledged happy hour, just like the documentary that you're talking about. That is a fantastic transition.
1: What was the name of the documentary again? Take Us Home, Leeds
0: United. There you go. So go check Take it Us out. Take
1: Us Home, colon, Leeds United. So
0: Go check it out. Uh, go to Jasper's as well, because Lame Sports is brought to you by Jasper's. Special thanks to Aaron Fit for hanging out with us today. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, by the way, everybody. The selection show is on Memorial Day, noon Eastern time. So check all the great college baseball news out. Find out where Tennessee and Vandy and all these SEC teams are going. In the meantime, go to Jasper's. Great happy hour, great food, great menu. And where do you put your car? In the free parking lot. Jasper's solving the world's problems one day at a time. Braden, where can people find you on the socials? at Braden Gall on Twitter, at 440 Sports on Twitter, and Facebook, at 440 Media on Instagram. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can find me on Twitter, at Scavendish. If you like
1: us, rate, review, subscribe. Thanks for listening. This has been Lame Stream
0: Sports on the 440 Sports Network. Pretty good. Pretty good. Almost got it.